Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know what, I, I really thought about this two weeks ago that I needed to share something today because normally, I'll be honest with you, when I speak, I go through books and I don't really let events that happen around us dictate what I preach. So I'm not one of those pastors who responds to stuff that happens in our country and stuff, but I'll be honest with you, with this thing that happened, I do need to say something because... Obviously, everybody is very familiar with Harold Camping now and his failed prophecy for the second time. I think when you mess up one time, don't even bother listening the second time, but for some reason, our culture, our world wanted to give him some attention. And and it's it's in any wonder, like, for instance, I have an article here that was in the USA Today newspaper. This is a full-page ad that somebody from Camping's followers put in. I believe it appeared at least three different times in the paper. Now, let me explain to you. this. I th- I, when I saw this, I thought, how much does that cost? So, I, you know, we're, we're in the age of Google, so I Googled, how much for a full-page color ad in, in uh, USA Today? And it took me to the USA Today website, to their rates, and for a cool $243,000, you can put a full-page ad in the paper color. Now, I know of at least three times it's been in there, so somebody's spending a lot of money. In fact, I was reading another article of a guy in New York City who paid, took his entire life savings of $110,000 and spent it on placards that they put in the bus stops all around New York City. Isn't that amazing? Now, you wonder what he's thinking today. So, you're saying, okay, George, we understand that. We understand the stupidity of people. We understand the failed prophecy of people. So what are you going to talk to us about? We understand all that. Well, I really need to talk about it with you because fallout is going to be pretty significant. Because when you talk about something like this, a couple of things happen. Number one, how Christians are perceived, and if you've read people, they're like, holy cow, what's the matter with those guys? You know. And then the reality is, is what does that mean for you? Because things are going to change now. For some people, they might say, well, you know, I'll never believe another pastor again. Or they might, I'll never believe the Bible again. I mean, if he found that in there and it's not true, then it must not be true. So I decided that I needed to spend some time and really talk to you about the end of the world. Really give you an understanding and an insight into the end of the world and what the Bible says. So what we're going to do today is we're actually going to do a couple things. We're going to, we're going to answer a couple of questions. And then we're going to see what Jesus says. So let me talk about the couple of questions first. We're going to answer the couple of questions. Remember, we're going to ask why. Now, I'm not going to be able to tell you why Harold Camping made the prediction. Only he knows why that happened. But what I am going to talk about is I have, I have a theory, I have a postulation as to why so many people gave up their jobs. I was just reading this morning in the USA Today. One guy gave up his job took his family and drove all the way to California to wait outside of the radio station for it to happen. Now, why? We're going to talk about why. Then we're going to talk about 
what now? I mean, it's over. It's come and gone. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, one report said it was supposed to happen in each one of the time zones. Like, I mean, seriously, if Jesus is going to take us, why can't he take us all at one time? You know what I mean? So what now? And then we're going to see what Jesus says from Acts chapter 1. So notice with me, first of all, why? Why are people doing this? Why, why would they spend all that money? And folks, it's been going on a long time now. I mean, I'll be honest with you, about a year ago, I started receiving letters in the mail. At first, I thought it was somebody from this church who was sending them to me. Then I got to looking at, because there was no return address, and it was this track about the end of the world coming on May 21st. And I thought, who in the church, world church is doing that? And then I got to look in, and I noticed it was a Johnstown postmark. And I thought, no, it's not anybody in our church, because it would have an Altoona postmark. So somebody was spending money, and then I talked to a couple of other pastor friends, and I thought, oh, yeah, we're getting those too. Somebody was spending money mailing this stuff out. Then back in February, when I went to get my taxes done, my accountant's down in, in uh, Punxsy, and I was down there, and it was the day before Groundhog Day. Not a good day to go to Punxsy. And I saw these two brand new cars driving by, and one of them had a big mushroom cloud on it, and a whole bunch of other things about the end of the world, and I was like, what in the world? And I realized it was the same thing. And then how many of you have seen the billboards around? Wherever you've been, you've seen the billboard somewhere. There's been a billboard. Now here's the amazing thing is, they paid for 2,000 of those in other countries. Not just the U.S., so, and here's the th- reality is, is that somebody spending the money, why are they doing it? Well, I've come up with three thoughts I want to share with you as to why. Here's the first one. They cannot cope with a changing culture. They cannot cope with a changing culture. Here's the reality is Christians are having a really hard time with our culture. I mean, it's changing. It's changing dramatically, fast. So, for instance, some of you in here, it's really hard to cope with it because you have seen more change. I mean, listen to me. If you are 60 and over, older, or 50 and older, you have seen more change in your lifetime than any of the other generations beforehand have ever seen. You say, what do you mean? Let me just talk to you a little bit about it. Some of you who are 50 and older can remember the old ringer washing machine. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You filled it up. You had it, and then you had to run things through to get it dry. I remember my grandmama having one of those. And then now we've got, what, then they get built up, and now we've got front loaders. You say, well, okay, well, what's the big deal about a washing machine? How many of you remember albums? 33 and a third, and 45s, and the 78s. What are you talking about, George? Are those car numbers? No. That's what you used to play your music on. And how many of you remember how to change the needle on your record player? And you got used to scratches. And then that was followed up with the next greatest invention, the 8-track player. You guys who are kids, only, what in the world's an 8-track? This is what I'm talking about. These folks have seen so much change in their lifestyle, and it's continuing to change. From where computers used to take up an entire building, they now take up one little laptop to do the same amount of stuff. But that's not what's freaking them out. They can, they can adjust with that kind of culture change. What's freaking them out is looking around and seeing what they used to see. Like I saw a bumper sticker the other day. Well, it was actually a placard. I saw it on the way to Clearfield. I want the America I grew up in. You know, the reality is, is they're having a hard time dealing with the fact that it ain't Kansas anymore, Toto. Do you know what I mean? 
And what used to be accepted is no longer accepted. And what used to be rejected is now accepted. And people have a hard time with that. And especially Christians. And I'll be honest with you, some of it is our Christian media. Because we have a tendency to live in the past rather than dealing with the future. And so they can't cope with the changing culture. Now add to it, here's the third point. They've been disappointed by political promises. They've been disappointed by the political by political promises. You know, I I am uh, I'm old enough to be what would be considered a uh, child of the Reagan era. The Reagan era began when I was a teenager, and from that point on, there was a the concept that entered into Christian circles that if we just elected the right people and they appointed the right judges, they would instill a morality into our country that all of us would be comfortable with. And I'm going to be honest with you, that was 1980. This is, what, 2011? That was 31 years ago. We've had many elections since. And I don't know of any one of those promises that have ever come true yet. And most in the Christian church have banked so much on that to get it back to the way it should be, whatever that is, and the promises haven't come true, so there's a disappointment. So I'm going to be honest with you, after the last election... I started hearing people talking a lot about the return of Jesus. And I realized it was not that they were anticipating the return of Jesus. It was because they were disappointed. And so that makes for a prime kind of ground for when you might be willing to accept some guy that comes along and says to you, the world's going to end. Think about it for a moment. If you look at it, when you talk about you don't know how to deal with the culture and the changing culture, and let's just stop for a moment. The only people who are freaked out by the changing culture are over 40. 30 and unders are like, what's the big deal? Everything's okay. Because that's all they know. And when you're over 40, and I'm over 40, folks, I mean, I'm realizing, let me just stop for a moment. My kids, we, we, let the, we try to listen to widely to music. And I couldn't believe that I had to tell my kids, no, we're not listening to that. I never thought that would enter out of my mouth. I'm getting old. Set in my ways. You know? I mean, here's the thing. This is what happens. And when you look at it, the culture's changing. Your political whatever's not happening. You get freaked out. I had this thought. Here's the thing. I want you to be aware of this. Here, I want you to understand something. Some of you are freaked out because morality is not the way it used to be. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Here's the thought I want you to have. The morality that we were comfortable with led into the morality that we're not comfortable with. Let me say it again. I'll have to explain what I'm talking about. The morality that we're comfortable with led into the morality that we're not comfortable with. You see, here's the thing. Because I'm going to be honest with you. Every one of you has a different scale of morality. And so there are things that you're comfortable with, and that's your morality. But here's the thing. Because you're so easing up on things... It only leads into another type of morality. And that's what's happening. And we get freaked out by that. But there's one other reason why. Why would people be like selling their stuff? In fact, I read this morning, one lady said, it may not have been May 21st, 2011, but it's going to be a May 21st. I mean, she's still believing it. So every May 21st, she's going to be ready, I'm assuming. Here's why. They have an unbalanced view of end-time prophecy. They have an unbalanced view of end-time prophecy. I'm going to get theological with you for a moment. 
Bear with me. I'll help you to understand where I'm at. I need to qualify what I'm about to say. Here's my qualifier. Theologically, I am what's known as a dispensationalist. Dispensationalism has been around uh, primarily for about 150 years. I would say longer than that. But I'm a dispensationalist. That is how I view the Bible. This church is a dispensational church. Now, here's the problem with dispensationalism. So I want everybody to know I'm a dispensationalist speaking. Here is the problem with dispensationalism. And this is what I think has helped create the problem we have today. We have been overtly obsessive about the end times. I mean, if you go to a church, every year in a typical church, you would have in a dispensational church a prophecy conference. One week of messages about when Jesus is coming back. How many know what I'm talking about? Let me remember prophecy conferences. And so, and here's the thing, and if you go to the bookstores, every time there's some sort of world event happening, especially in the Middle East, some guy's coming out with a new book about how it all fits into prophecy. And the reality is, is that we've had such a fixation on the end of the world, that when some guy comes along, let me just stop for a moment, there's nothing new, people. There's nothing new. The prophecies are the same. It's just that some guy whose ministry is prophecy, I'll be honest with you, you get into, that's, a no, that's, a, that's a dead-end ministry if you go into that kind of ministry. The fact is that you've got to constantly come up with something new there so people will keep reading and keep buying your books. And the reality is, is that, listen to me, because we've had so, we, we, we trust people who are the so-called experts. Christ, I'll be honest with you, if you're a believer, you can be an expert. You just need to know your Bible. So when some guy comes along with some kind of weird calculation, counting the number of floods that have happened in the world, and earthquakes, how do you figure that out? We believe them. Thankfully, you haven't. But sadly, some people have. And I see it as these three things are a perfect storm. You know what I mean? That's, that all of the elements are right there for a perfect storm of people falling into deception. And that is, number one, they can't cope with the changing culture. Number two, they've been disappointed by politics. And number three, they've spent too much time worrying about when Jesus is coming back. And so, you've got people selling their homes, quitting their jobs. So that's the why. Oh, you say, okay, well, all right, that's over with, George, because it's May 22nd. What now? Well, two things I want you to see. And when I share you, with you these two points, here's the reality. Before we get in the Bible, I'm going to share with you two points. The reality of these two points is they're for, for the folks who did this stuff and embraced it and then now are disappointed, but it's also for you and I. Here's the first one. What now? There will be embarrassment. I mean, think about it. If you're the dude who's used all of your life savings to put up placards in all of the bus stops in New York City, and I can almost see him say, Honey, I really believe God's telling us. And I can see his wife. No way. Oh, yes, but I think we do. Well, look, this guy's got to talk to his wife about it. And it's not like it's going to go away because you know how the signs are. They're up forever. So every time he's driving around town now, he sees one of his signs reminding him what? That he spent his money on that. That's embarrassment, folks. It's embarrassment. A lot of the folks, here's what they did. A lot of the folks were writing their family, calling their family, telling them to embrace Jesus because it's going to happen. The world's going to end with this huge earthquake and everything's going to be, I mean, 
Now they've got to go to family reunions and act normal and deal with the family saying, oh, there's so-and-so. Man, boy, did he lose it there back in May. And you know how families are. They're like elephants. They never forget. 20 years from now, hey, remember him? Boy, I still can't believe he did that. There's embarrassment. Camping released a short little statement. I mean, the, the press is waiting to hear what he's going to say. Well, here's the short little statement he said. He said, I guess the only thing that ended this week was Oprah. And then here's what he said. My bad. You've got to be kidding me. Now, here's the end. We're talking about it's an embarrassing for them, but folks, it's embarrassing for you and I. Because here's you, if you had any sense and you saw all this stuff, if you were like me, you were sitting back and saying, Oh, Lord, why are you letting this guy do this? I mean, he says he belongs to you. Why are you letting him do this? This, this Lord, we already got enough embarrassing things going on. We don't need this. And there's nothing I can do about it. That's embarrassing, isn't it? You've got to go to work tomorrow, folks, don't you? And you've got the guy there that you've been sharing your faith with for a long time, or family member, and they're going to be like, Hey, I guess you're still here. And there's going to be the wisecracks and the jokes. And you're going to laugh it off and say, oh, yeah, he was a nut, blah, blah, blah. And you may even try to explain it. Well, every other major leader in the world said no about this. That really isn't going to remove the embarrassment, is it? It's embarrassing. And what makes it even more embarrassing is the fact that we can't do anything about it. Can't do anything about it. Here's the second thing. There will be anger. Right now, those folks are in shock. Right now they're they're stunned. Some of them are, are 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 you know they're wondering. Well, maybe he made a mistake. Maybe it's not this year. Maybe it's the next year. Maybe the Mayan calendar's right. You know, next year's when the Mayan calendar said it's all going to end. Can I remind you that uh, don't put much credibility in their prediction? They didn't predict when their culture ended. How can they predict when the world's going to end? It's going to be anger. They're going to be angry. Here's what's going to happen. And most counselors will tell you that when there's a traumatic event like that, there are stages. There's, there's shock, there's grief, and almost inevitably there's always anger. And here's what they're going to do. Number one, they're going to be angry at Harold Camping, and rightfully so. And then number two, they're going to be angry with themselves. But finally, I'm going to tell you this, folks. Some of them are going to be angry with God. They're going to be angry with God because... He reneged on his promise. And he didn't come back. And it's the same thing for us. We look at that, and I'll be honest with you, yeah, I'm embarrassed, but I'm also angry. It's like, give me a break. It's hard enough to be a believer as it is to have somebody define what it is for me by this kind of behavior. What now? There'll be embarrassment, and there'll be anger. So you say, okay, George, the end of the world. What are we to believe? Because here's the part of it that really makes me angry. is because of this stuff, people are going to discredit the Bible. People are going to discredit Christianity and say, well, man, if that's in the Bible, holy cow, then who can believe what the Bible says? Well, first of all, it wasn't in the Bible. You don't need mathematical formulas to figure out what the Bible says. Something must have been wrong with his solar calculator that day. The reality is, is that makes me angry that this is why I had to decide to do this message because the credibility of what you believe is on the line here. Because something like this makes us all look like we don't have any credibility, does it not? And some of you have to deal with unsaved loved ones and fellow workers at work 
who are going to mock your faith because of this clown. So here, let me tell you what Jesus says. I want you to notice with me, chapter 1, verse 6. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Three things I want to point out to you about what Jesus says here as we consider this whole issue of the end times. First of all, let me just set the stage for you. This is right before the ascension. Jesus is resurrected. They're on the mountain. And the disciples, here's where they're at, and you've got to understand this is where all of us are at. They go to Jesus and say, Jesus, so tell me, is this when you establish your kingdom? I mean, they're just expressing what's in the heart of every man. We want to know what's going to happen in the future, don't we? How do I know that? Because some of you read the horoscopes. Don't waste your time. Because I know why you're doing it. Because everybody wants to know. I mean, if everybody here, if you could just dial a number and have somebody tell you what's going to happen today, wouldn't you do it? Yeah. You would, because you want to know what's going to happen today. All of us have that natural tendency, and especially all of us want to know what's going to happen in the end. And so are the disciples. The disciples go to him, Jesus, is this when it happens? When are you going to do it? I want you to notice how Jesus responds to them. Look at verse 7. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Here's what I want you to see. Number one, it is not your responsibility to know. Folks, listen to me. The end of the world is coming. Jesus Christ is coming back. We have in the Bible some pictures, some prophecies that kind of give us an idea of what will happen when it happens. But the reality is, is what Jesus is saying to you and I, it is not your responsibility to know when. To use the statement that is very popular these days, it's above your pay grade. You know what I mean by that? Yes, we would like to know. Yes, we would like to anticipate. Yes, we would like to, to have an idea. And he does give us a picture of what's going to happen in the future. And it's a wonderful picture for those of us who are believers. But the reality is, it's not your responsibility to know. The fact is, is we can't handle it. There are some things that humanity is not supposed to know. And we're not supposed to know when the world ends. That's what he's saying here. It is not for you to know. It's not our responsibility. And you know, I've been a believer now 26 years, and I'm going to be honest with you, 26 years, Harold Camping is not the first guy who's made a prediction. And let me just go ahead and tell you, he won't be the last. And there have been numbers of books that have come out trying to explain everything. Here's the thing, folks. You're just wasting your time and energy because Jesus is the only one who knows. God the Father is the only one who knows. And one day the Bible tells us, he'll say to his son, that's it, go. It's not your responsibility to know. Don't get fixated on it. Here's what else Jesus said. Verse 7. Look at me. 
which the Father has put in his own authority. Here's the second point I want you to see. The end of the world belongs to God. The end of the world belongs to God. I think we were talking as a family last night. I don't know if it was Lori who said that. or I think it was Lori said, you know what, maybe God knows what it is, but he decides to change his mind every time somebody makes a prediction to prove a point. Nobody's going to know. In fact, here's what the Bible says. When it happens, he said it will just be as in the days of Noah. People will be getting married that day. People will be working. People will be partying. Life will go on as normal, and it will happen belongs to him, not to you and I. Aren't you glad it belongs to him? It doesn't belong to Al Gore. You know what I'm saying? The end of the world belongs to God. And folks, let it belong to him. He's the only one who can handle it, not you and I. It belongs to him. This is what Jesus is saying. It's not your responsibility to understand or to know, to know when it is. It is God's responsibility because it belongs to him. And then here's the third thing. Here's what he said, because immediately he goes into verse 8. Look with me in verse 8, and he says this, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Here's what he's saying. He has empowered us to share the gospel. What's Jesus saying? Here's their question. Jesus, is this when you're going to establish the kingdom? Jesus says, look, you don't need to worry about that. That's in God's hands. Rather, right now, because you know it's coming, because it's in God's hands, you need to do what you've got to do. And I'm going to give you the power to do it. You share about me with this world. You know, the reality is, don't sell your homes. First of all, it's not the first time it happened. I think it happened back in 1847 in the state of Massachusetts. There was a group of people uh, who, they're called Adventists now, not the Seventh-day Adventists, but the Adventists. They, they were Millerites. They followed a guy by the name of Miller who predicted the end of the world. And, and back then, it was just a small community. They, they got together. They all wore, sold everything and wore white robes and went up on a hill to wait for Jesus to come back. This is historical. I'm telling you a historical fact here. They went up on the hill, sold everything, wearing white robes, up there waiting for Jesus to come back. Guess what came? A thunderstorm with lightning. But Jesus didn't come. Jesus is saying, man, it is in God's hands. You do what I'm telling you to do. It's coming. Don't worry about when. It's coming. You do what I'm telling you to do. What is it? Share your faith. And I'll empower you to do it. In fact, listen, if you read a little bit further, remember I read the whole passage there. If you get a little bit further, Jesus goes up into heaven. The disciples are there watching. Two angels show up. This is what the passage says. And they say, Galilee, why are you looking up? This same Jesus will come in like manner. Basically, here's what he's saying. Guys, get with it. He's coming back. But until then, you've got a job to do. We've got a job to do. Serving and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Loving people, serving them, and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our job. That's what he's saying here. He's saying... Don't worry about it. It's not your responsibility. It's God's responsibility. You just do what I'm telling you to do. So you go on. Yeah, you're going to have to live with the embarrassment. All of us do. All of us are going to have to live with it. But you keep being who God called you to be, and you keep sharing the gospel, and you leave it in His hands. You leave it in His hands. 
Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.